This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gouda Tour. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction Series, our show, which we look at the players that have been linked to Arsenal in a statistical and analytical way with the help of you guys in the chat box talking to us all about the Gunners. And I'm just looking at my shirt thinking, am I am I wearing this inside out? Why is, why is this? Why have I got these two little creases? It's not inside out. Why does it look so strange? I'm not going to be able to get over this. Why is there two little bumps in my jumper? That's not right. I'm not going to be able to get over that. Have I got... Yes, I've got a jacket. We could put a jacket on. That's This is how insecure I can be. Like I see two little ju- little bumps on my jumper and I'm sitting there going, that doesn't look right. I need to put, need to put a jacket on. Why is the sleeve not working? Why... The, oh, this is awful. Oh, that's better. <laughs> How are we doing, people? Are we good? Charlie Patino. Absolutely brilliant stuff. What an amazing, amazing game for that player. Uh, I could not be happy. It's, it wasn't black back to front. It wasn't. There's no label. There's no label here. The label is in the back. It's definitely in the back. I'm never wearing this jumper again. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The TGT jacket. Is here. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. How are we doing? We got Paul, we got Kaiser, we got Matt, we got Ian, uh, Tony, AV, uh, we've got uh, Camferdi, we've got Gigson, Terry, our South Africa, we've got MCPE, James, uh, Carl, we've got Tom, we've got Marcus. Uh, so many more of you. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing good. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a good day. Arsenal are in a semi-final of a cup competition. You love to see it. Charlie Patino's on the score sheet. Eddie Nketiah's raising his transfer value more than we can ever hope for. Absolutely fantastic stuff from the most of the whole team last night. In fact, I have barely any criticisms. Uh, it was all love, all praise. Um, there was the unfortunate... Uh, goal that we conceded, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, I, of course, want to know your thoughts and feelings about the game and the performances of the players within it, but there is only one place to start, and that's, I want to know, how good is Charlie Patino? 
<laughs> Obviously, we contextualise this. He came on for a 10-minute cameo, scores uh, a, a goal that I hopefully think, or hopefully we're going to see him score plenty of goals similar to that, getting into the box, being in the right place at the right time, having that instinctual know-how to uh, to finish uh, with a plum uh, and uh, gain all the plaudits and take all the attention away from Eddie Nketiah, who scored a hat-trick, a very good hat-trick, you should add. Um, but there will be no attention uh, paid to him as a priority. It will all be focused on the wonderful Charlie Petit. I'll tell you what, Eddie Nketiah must be absolutely fuming <laughs> that all the attention is going to be completely taken away after he scores three goals. Um, and yeah, look, Patino, it's just a great story is what it is. It's just a fantastic story. And uh, it's great to see more talent coming through those youth ranks. That's what we have to say. Let's uh, let's jump into the chat and see what you guys are saying. <laughs> Go to talk swallowed by Sweatosaurus. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Patino has to start against Norwich, says Dan. The guy is the best midfielder. In the league, Carl South African says, highly entertaining game. Patino is, he's not the next Bergkamp, he says. He's the Bergkamp. <laughs> he's not the next something. He already is the Bergkamp. That's what we like to see there. Brilliant stuff. Uh, let's scroll down a bit more. Uh, <laughs> and says, yeah, Cedric defensively scares the bejesus out of me. You're not the only one, mate. Um, <laughs> George says respect to Eddie for the hat trick and the constant grind but when he scores he acts like he's prime Shevchenko and it annoys me it shouldn't annoy you George look he's a striker and strikers score it's their job when they do it he celebrates um, was it was it Balotelli who once said I don't score I don't celebrate when I score does a postman celebrate when he delivers a letter <laughs> That's just boring. We don't want any of that. We want to see celebrations. And, you know, Eddie's in a situation where he's kind of got all of the tennis balls in his court um, in regards to his own future. And uh, he's definitely making the most of it, it seems. Uh, Cole says, Tom, when I walked out of the Arsenal station and saw the team street, it was like Arteta had metamorphosized <laughs> into an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I mean, Balogun starting. Um, Patino on the bench. I would have loved to have seen some more youngsters on the bench and given them opportunities. Um, but Erdogan still starting, Smith Rowe coming into the team. Erdogan was, again, I know that I'm a big Erdogan fat, but he was metronomic, uh, was a word I saw used in our chat box last night on the Arsenal way. He just keeps the game going. Now, I don't want to get too carried away because, as I say, it was Sunderland and they were defensively pretty awful. I mean, Pepe made Hume look like an absolute joke, to be fair. And the amount of times he nutmegged him twice, but it felt like a billion times he was nutmegged on the on the field. He was a, he was poor, uh, as was most of the, the Sunderland defence. The Sunderland forward line of midfield actually did okay. They played some good football, and I was actually quite impressed with some of the things that they pulled off. And you could see why they're you know pushing towards promotion in League One. But again, defensively, they were very, very poor. And there were times that players... Should I mean, if they were playing against the Premier League opposition, uh, there were concerns for me, especially for their goal uh, and the way that we were out of position. But we did play a very attacking formation, 4-3-3, Smith-Rowe and Erdegaard. Arteta was going for it. He knew if he could get a couple of goals, it hopefully would kill the game. Or rather, it needed three in the end to kill it off. And then we just went forward with two extra ones. But I was, on the whole, very happy with how we played. And it was just one of those that we needed to see moving forward. Um 
Uh, Tom says, it's nice of Tino, but this game was Nketi and Pepe's both were amazing. Hovic says, hear me out. Every time Nketi was given a chance in the league, he went missing. Uh, not every time. I thought Everton, he came on and really did um, a lot more, maybe, than, than people give him credit for. Uh, he looked good against Everton. He missed that chance, obviously hit the post at, at, at close range, but still came on and did something. The thing, Let's talk about Nketia. The thing about Nketia is that he is a very clinical finisher. Um, he's good in and around, inside that, in around that six-yard box. That's where he operates. That's where his desk is. That's where he clocks in to go to work. He's in and around that six-yard box. And if you get the ball to him in that area, he's very, very good. The rest of his game is where you start to see the reasons why he's probably not going to make it at Arsenal and why he was probably never going to make it at Arsenal. He's a poacher. He's a fox in the box, as are the two words, ironically, that both Social and Jonathan have just put in there. That's what he does. But interestingly, I, I asked Guy this last night, um, not this random guy, his name is Guy, Guy Clark. Uh, I asked Guy last night on the Arsenal way, um, if you'd have replaced Aubameyang with Nketia in all of the games that Aubameyang's played this season, would he have scored more goals than Aubameyang? And Guy agreed with me and, and felt like, yes, that he would. Uh, and I think that's a fair assessment because Aubameyang's missed plenty of chances this season and in and around the the, uh, the box. If you remember the chance that he nicked off Erdegaard, the Watford game, the Newcastle game, he's missed some big, big chances in fixtures. The Manchester United game, arguably, too. And the penalties. Maybe Nketiah would have scored those penalties that he missed. So I feel like Nketiah probably would have scored more goals in, than Aubameyang had he played all those games that the Gabonese forward did. We'll never know. Um, but I just feel like a clinical forward is something that we've been really lacking this season. And he seems to be exactly that and has shown that in the few performances that he's given to us so far. Um, what is good about this is that in January, and I wrote about this last night, uh, in fact, I think the piece is coming out this morning. In fact, it might already be out this morning. Um, it, actually, no, I think it's coming out around midday is basically that this enables Arsenal to dictate a lot more the sale of the player in January. And we should be looking to cash in on Nketiah because his future doesn't lie with the club. Arteta wants him to stay. He doesn't want to stay because he knows he's not going to get the first-team opportunities that maybe he is looking for. And that means that we need to look to sell him. And there are plenty of teams that are going to be um, looking for a striker that is as clinical as Nketiah. And hopefully we can start a bidding war and get plenty of teams interested and Edu's going to have to do some good work to get Arsenal a very decent fee in this window. Whether or not he wants to wait six months and then leave on a free to get a good payoff and a decent salary at a club maybe abroad, we'll have to wait and see. But I think we need to try and push to the sale, sell Nketiah in January and then maybe bring in a, a striker on loan to cover that position and keep us uh, well stocked in that area. Um, okay, I'm going to have an awkward conversation now because I know that uh, he got a lot of praise uh, and I, sh I don't know if it's worth me taking the stick for this. I didn't think Pepe was that great. I've said it. Um, I thought it was a game where a goal and two assists kind of master performance, which for me, kind of displayed why he's not playing for Arteta. There, I've said it. <laughs> um, a goal, the, the goal that he scored, obviously, was a deflection, but it was well, um, it, was a, it was really well worked with Cedric. The assists for both Nketiah and Patino, obviously, 
Uh, some really good work on the right-hand side, the, the nutmeg on the second goal in particular. Uh, on the first goal, I think it was, uh, uh, well, his, his first assist for Enketia uh, and then a setup for, for Patino. But the thing is, is that the goal that Sunderland scored, and Drew, and I'll give him credit, at Logic Lera on Twitter, uh, I think I retweeted it, let me find the tweet. Um, Drew summed up why it was a problem when Sunderland scored. Drew tweeted, that's a joke from Pepe, my God. Has the chance to press the breakup play before Sunderland breaks and just stops dead in his tracks and watches as he's bypassed beyond poor. And from that moment, that kind of, that issue really did fester in my mind for the rest of the game because what Arteta wants from a winger is someone that is going to obviously be committed at both ends of the field. And Pepe wasn't in this game. Pepe knew that this was a really good opportunity for him to get a goal, and he did, and some assists, and he did. But the other areas of his game is why we're seeing Bakaya Saka start right now um, and play. And when you look at the games in the Europa League, and when you look at this game in particular, you start to see why... The statistics overall are not very much reflected by the statistics in the Premier League matches against the tougher oppositions. And I think I put up a tweet last night which kind of showed that issue uh, in kind of all of its glory. Uh, when you look at the statistics in the Premier League this season, eight games, eight appearances, zero goals, one assist, 29 appearances last season, 10 goals, one assist. 1920, 31 appearances, five goals, six assists in 68 Premier League appearances, just 15 goals and eight assists. And for 72 million pounds, which isn't his fault, not his fault, that's not enough. And you need to see more beyond the goals and assists. If you're not seeing, if you're not getting enough goals and assists, you need to be bringing something else. And that's the difference between him and Saka is that Saka is so integral to Arsenal's performances and in the way that he plays. And in the way that he, you know, has an impact on games and the way we build up and the way he takes players on and makes the right decisions in certain areas of the field and gets back and puts the effort in that direction. That's the difference. But that for me is, is always that game for me highlighted perfectly that against your Sunderlands in the Europa League, Pepe's going to be able to have these flashes of brilliance that we see with the goal and with the assists and with the nutmegs. But it also, for me, completely encapsulates the other aspects of his game that, and being the reason why he doesn't play for Mikel Arteta. And that's a really difficult thing to kind of go for. As I've always said, I want nothing more than for Pepe to prove me wrong. But the goal and assist in that game don't do that. It's the entirety of his game that you need to look at to understand why he's not necessarily... Um, succeeding at Arsenal and getting the opportunities that I know a lot of people want to see at Arsenal. Right. I didn't look at the whole, I didn't look at the chat box whilst I was, uh, <laughs> whilst I was saying that. So I dread to think uh, how you've responded. Let's scroll up to where I started talking about Pepe. Okay. Um, let's get awkward. Yes. Look, and it was going to be an awkward conversation. Daniel Robert. I also thought Pepe wasn't great. Uh, Steve Stone agrees. Dave, I agree. Tom, to, uh, he flattered. Uh, half South African, I agree. Uh, George, his work rate is atrocious. Benji, Tom's got a Pepe agenda. Okay, so let's address this negative comment. Um, 
there is no agenda on my end. And as I've said a number of times, I want Pepe to succeed. I really want Pepe to succeed because it means that Arsenal succeed and it means we get an, a return on the £72 million investment that we have continuously, look, that we paid and that we're still having to pay every single year. People use the word agenda quite often when there isn't really a solid argument in response. Um, I just want to see better. Uh, that's where that word comes up for. Um, Hamesh says he still ain't Pepe's best suited for Newcastle United until they bring in a real deal in a couple of years. Social says Pepe I didn't think was great. He had some good passes, but reminiscent of what he always does. Nothing more than that. Um, Dave says he lost the ball on a number of occasions. I know Ojo berated me in the Discord for continuing to mention his price tag, but that's not going away. Matt says, I agree, Tom, although I did love his two. I love the nutmegs. They were great. Um, MM says, I agree on Pepe, Tom. In fact, when I watched it back, Pepe was actually at fault for the goal that we conceded. Uh, Tawana, Pepe haters are really disappointing. Even a good performance is not a good performance. Again, it's not about being a hater. (laughs) Again, I get that you like the player um, and that's fine. I I want to be able to like him, but there's just so many aspects of his game that are reason for me to want to see us replace him with someone better. Uh, That's what I would say. James says, the first half, Pepe and Cedric were awful defensively, had me worried. A Premier League team would have had them on toast. Um, Benji says, I've seen defensive improvements, but you could tell he wasn't really trying too hard. Fair enough. I appreciate the the turnaround on the the comment there. Uh, Steve says, Pepe is too static for me. The boy uh, just will not move. Um, Tom says Pepe was a boss. He doesn't start over Saka, but that he isn't coming on the bench with 25, 30 minutes to go. It's baffling. Is, I mean, we say it's baffling, but Arteta against Newcastle, instead of bringing on Pepe, decided and made the decision at right wing, which is Pepe's position, to bring on Martinelli. And look what's happened since that point. He scored in that game and has gone on to be a continual starter and boss it. So I'm not so sure um, that it is that case. Francis said, Pepe lost the ball way too much. A better opposition would have been punished for that. Uh, Mish says there was a moment that summed up Pepe, lost the ball on the wing, almost didn't react to the ball from Odegaard before making brilliantly and setting up Odegaard. And that, uh, setting up Eddie, that is, that is Pepe. He's, the, he's got those moments of absolute pure brilliance that really stand out. And if you look at all the offensive stats and the offensive stats for him, looks, and to be fair, even some of the defensive stats were okay. But the, the game, 73 touches, five take-ons completed, three chances created, three tackles made, three fouls won, two assists, two shots, one goal. You look at that tweet, and it is a tweet, and it looks like he's had a brilliant performance. But the stats do fail to deceive because you need to look at every single part of his game. And when you look at, say, the pass map um, for his game, the passes that really were crucial in and around the box uh were some of the ones that he really did not conduct in the right way, made the wrong decision, got caught in two minds, got the ball trapped under his feet. Um, But of course, he set up three really good chances during the game. Two of them were goals for Patino and Ketty on one. Odegaard, of course, struck straight at the keeper. But I just, against better opposition, I just don't think that he has that successful of a game. Um, And that's just where I was at with that. Um, I want to see more from him. I want to see him succeed. But I think that, unfortunately, games like this can sometimes pull the wool over people's eyes into thinking that he should start the next game. And then when he does start that next game against the Premier League side, um, unfortunately, we don't get the performances we've seen against the likes of Sunderland and in the Europa League. 
And when you look at all of his goals and assist statistics across all competitions, it doesn't look that it doesn't look that bad. In fact, it looks okay. It looks more than okay. But then when you compare that to his Premier League statistics against genuinely challenging oppositions, it's not as uh, it's not as encouraging. And people may turn around and say he needs to start more games. And if he was good enough, he would be. Anyway, that's enough on a negative after a 5-1 win. And uh, as I always say, hope it proves me wrong. But again, I thought it was a performance that perfectly kind of summed up the issues in his game. Uh, and he won't and shouldn't be in the game uh, in the starting lineup for for the next Premier League games, and didn't earn that in my view either, based on the whole performance, not just looking at the stat padding. Um, let's go into the chat box and go through some of your questions, Jonathan. This actually, we say we're done with the negatives. We're not done with the negatives. Are you perhaps slightly disappointed with Balogun's performance last night, or do you think he did okay, but people just expected too much of him? No, I didn't think he was very good. Um, and this is coming from me, who is someone who wants to see Balogun, you know, get into the team. I've been calling for him to play more Premier League fixtures, get into more Premier League teams. I thought it was a performance of a player that was really tryharding, uh, is how I would describe it. I thought it was a performance of a player that, you know, wanted to get into the positions on the pitch where he could strike and have a... I think that Nketiah's goals in particular were starting to frustrate him because he wasn't getting on the score sheet. On the left-hand side, it's going to be always be... It's going to be more difficult. Um, because he is a striker by trade, but has been playing slightly off-centre. But I think that's the difference between playing slightly left again in, a, in the senior team and left for the youth team. On the left-hand side for the youth team, he can be much closer to Mika Biref, he can get into the box more and get better chances to score. In a senior game, you are forced out into the wider positions a lot more because the defenders are better, because the physicality is higher. And I think what you saw from Balogun was a performance of a player that desperately needs to go on loan and needs to get more experience playing at senior level. And he needs to be given more consistency. He needs to be given more time playing against senior senior teams. And that's hopefully going to happen. Um, that's going to happen in January. He's going to go on loan. I hope maybe even to Liga, where he'll go up against some really physical players um, and really su- hopefully succeed in a, in a top five league. That would be great. But he needs to improve. He needs to get better. RM, describing him as a headless chicken is not the correct terminology to use because you're looking at a 20-year-old player here that's still not got enough opportunities at senior football and needs to develop more. But when you consider he's the same age as Saka, you can see the difference in their development and Martinelli as well. But Martinelli and Saka have had far more opportunities to play against senior teams than Balogun has. And that's arguably Arteta's fault at times. And he needs to be he needs to be have given more chances to impress. Why he didn't start against Wimbledon, I don't know. Why he didn't play any part in the Leeds game, I don't know. He needs to be given these opportunities. Uh, the Leeds game in the cup, by the way, not the Premier League game, but arguably could have been on the bench for that game still because they were so lacklustre. I just want to see more of him against senior teams. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens in January. And I look forward to that. But yeah, that's a concern. Vansity says, uh, were you surprised that Gabriel substitutes? Martin only took a couple of times. Yeah, I'm never a fan of this. I don't know why we do this. We are. We had the opportunity to make five substitutions and Patino was the only youngster on the bench. You could have brought in Zach Swanson. You could have brought in Omar Rekic. You could have brought in Amari Hutchinson. You could have brought in Kido Taylor-Hart. You could have put any of these guys on the bench so that when we're 4-1 up, you don't have to risk Gabriel Martinelli. You don't have to risk Gabriel Magalhaes. You don't have to risk those guys. 
you could have brought other players in and given them an opportunity. And you were only going to risk the fitness and the injury status of Martinelli. He's a player that draws tackles, and he did, draws fouls, winds defenders up because he's so good. It was, yeah, it was unnecessary. Uh, And that was a frustration. Maybe... Arteta felt like if we were losing or whatever, and he really, I know he really wants to win this competition and really progress through it. But that's thats a concern. Uh, Tony says, Tom, who gave the ball away when we lost the goal? Not Pepe. Even he is not playing. Uh, even when he is not playing, he is criticised. Emil Smith-Rowe gave the ball away. Uh, I think he gave the ball away about two-thirds up the pitch. So when the ball is given away, there is a lot that then needs to happen for a goal to take place. And that's why... When you look at a goal, you don't always point the finger initially at the person who gave the ball away. Do they deserve criticism for losing the ball? Absolutely. And Smith-Rowe shouldn't have lost the ball. Thankfully, though, Smith-Rowe's performance outside of that individual moment and across the entire season has been brilliant. The difference is what happens after the goal still needs to be looked at, still needs to be analysed. And that's why we looked at that, Tony. So if you have to be fair across the whole play, not just the moment where the ball's turned over in possession. Because if that was the case, then we would be very different when we look at goals that we concede and who we blame for them. And it's also why maybe Bernd Leno uh, wouldn't receive anywhere near as much stick as he has done previously. Uh, because <laughs> when the ball's given away, ultimately it's up to him or Ramsdale to save those efforts. If you're looking at the whole play, or if you're looking only at the person who gave the ball away, the goalkeeper would never be at fault for any goal that we ever can see. So, there you go. RM says, can you contrast Cedric's constant overlapping with Tommy Asu's more cautious style? It's very simple for me, RM. They're two very different fullbacks. Tommy Asu is a far more disciplined player that actually is improving his offensive game, but the difference is, is Tommy Asu's thought process is a lot more measured. He's a player that kind of assesses what's ahead of him, assesses what's behind him, and also assesses the, the threat level of the opponent to counter. If Tierney or Tavares is far upfield on the other side of the pitch, Tommy Asu doesn't always tend to push up with equal measure. He tends to sit just between kind of the halfway line and the box so that he's got enough kind of time and recovery uh, distance to get back and defend and form a back through with Gabriel and White. The difference with Cedric is Cedric just attacks. He's just offensive-minded. He gets up the pitch. He overlaps. And to be fair, he did some really good stuff with Pepe. He combined well. They overlapped for, the, I think it was uh, Pepe's goal. Uh, and I think Pepe needs a fullback that does that. The problem is, is that when you've got a fullback that does that, you then are very vulnerable defensively. So that's kind of the difference between the two. And it's the diff- reason, one of the reasons why I wouldn't be keeping Cedric at the club. I like having a measured, disciplined fullback on one side and on the other side, having a more attacking fullback, but an attacking fullback that can also get back and defend and knows when to be in the right place like Tierney and to a lesser extent Tavares as well. I thought Tavares was quite good as well, by the way. I thought he was really, you know, committed, uh, got back really well, got forward and up and down the wing really well and his interplay was good too. So that's kind of the difference between the two and why... Tommy Asu is a much better player for our team. Uh, Asmarom says, what should be the priority for this transfer window? For me, a good DM, a striker to replace a Bamiang and a right-back cup for Tommy. I mean, that's not going to happen. It's a January window. You don't tend to see that much take place. That is kind of a summer window uh, with probably a couple more signings being made too. I think what you'll see is one loan signing. That's my expectation. And that's not a bad thing. Bringing in one player uh, in depth, probably a midfield is good. 
But maybe it depends on who leaves. If Nketiah and Aubameyang go, then we need to sign a striker. If they don't, then we don't need to sign a striker. But it depends on who also leaves as well. Uh, Tulip says, Odegaard's performance went under noticed. He was pulling strings, uh, player of the match, uh, player of the month so far. Can't disagree too much. As I said at the start of the show, he was metronomic. He continued to pull those strings, as you say, Tulip. His pass for the, his pass for the goal where uh, Pepe set up and Ketia was just sublime. The weight on that to go round the defenders and then feed through uh, Pepe on the sprint to then nutmeg cube, which was just excellent uh, comedy and, and entertainment, and then a really good setup for Nketiah. Um, that was so, so good. And interestingly, he played it uh, like in that eight role alongside Smith Rowe, and it shows that he can play that role. The problem was, is that I just still think that Arsenal are a bit too exposed. Maybe if we had Tommy Asu and White and Gabriel and Tierney, and then you had either Partey or Xhaka as that sole number six, maybe that would have worked. But I still do think it leaves us quite exposed. Against teams like Sunderland in the Premier League, away at Norwich, maybe we could play that 4-3-3 to be more offensive. But I'm not sure uh, it's worth the risk. And I think there was a reason why even Xhaka was brought on in the second half to give us that extra stability because they were, at times, able to get behind us. And that was one another one of the reasons why we conceded because Pepe's positioning was obviously poor, but it was poor because of the formation that we had um, and we were so exposed when we when the ball was turned over because Cedric was so far up the field, Erdogan and Smith Rowe were so far up the field that we had no midfield at all, and they were able to counter quickly. And so I would be wary of using that formation against much better opposition. Um, Cam Ferdy says, you realise Saka and Tommy Asu works well because Saka doesn't need uh, too much of overlapping by Tommy. He can take on defenders by himself, unlike Pepe. I, I do realise that. I think Saka is very good at taking on players and he's a lot better than a uh, lot better at it than Pepe's. I mean, even the statistics show that. I mean, I've got them to hand because we talked about it with our show on uh, on Kulisevsky yesterday in terms of dribbles. Uh, this season in the Premier League, Pepe has completed, uh, has, sorry, succeeded in 27.3% of the dribbles, whereas Saka has succeeded in 60.2% of his dribbles. And these are averaged across 90 minutes. So before we talk about, oh, he's not started games, these are averages. So it's that level of ability. Martinelli, 62.1% of his dribbles have been successful. So that's that's important. Byron says, Tom, how soon do you think we'll see Patino in the Premier League? Next season, hopefully, coming off the bench, maybe getting more opportunities. Look, he's 18. Saka was making his debut at, I think, 17. Some players don't need a loan. Some players go straight into the first team, start to develop, start to play. And that's what I want to see happen with Patino. He's of that level where he should be given opportunities to get in the first team. He's got a lot of competition. Smith, Rowan and Erdogan there in a position that he likes to play but can also play at centre mid, can also play alongside a defensive midfielder. So I like what he gives us and the opportunities that he can give us as well. Uh, Vera says, which of our youngsters do you think has the highest ceiling? I think Patino is the obvious answer, but Balogun I'm still very excited about. Um, Daniel says, Tom, could you do a breakdown on Arta Cabral? It's so hard to find any data. If the links increase and the interest gets higher, I will do a breakdown. But we only tend to do it when um, we only tend to do it obviously when we've seen kind of the big links to the players. So there you go. Uh, Dirk says, "Do you think Patino will come straight into the first team next season, or does he need a loan?" Again, I don't think he needs a loan. I think that 
Um, he can be integrated slowly. Position-wise, the offensive number eight, I think, is his best role, bordering on a number 10. But he can play in a deep line playmaker. He can play the Santi Cazorla-style role. So I do like the opportunity to use him a number of positions on the pitch. Uh, RM says Erdogan has a very impressive month barring his brainless challenge at Old Trafford. He could be a great, he could be a club great. Wow, that's very high praise. Jonathan says Tommy's attacking role is more focused on half space crosses. Him being uh, ambipedal, uh, ambipedal uh, <laughs> allows him to play outward and inward crosses. I really like that. Daz says uh, if we sign a striker in January, can we challenge for the position three in the league and win an FA Cup? Who knows? Is the honest answer. It depends a lot on Chelsea's form and how far they uh, kind of fall. Uh, Jack says, where's Nelson? He's at Feyenoord. He scored his first goal for Feyenoord very recently. He's doing okay, not getting loads of minutes. I don't imagine that he'll be integrated to the team next season. I imagine he'll be sold in the summer. Um, Josh says, I do reckon Patino needs to add a bit of muscle, but I'm sure that'll come with time. Some players do, some players don't. You look at Bakaya Saka, um, very slight, very slender, still manages to hold off players. In fact, his offensive dual win rate is very, very good. So I don't necessarily think he needs to. I think his game could obviously benefit from it maybe, but maybe he'd lose some of his elegancy on the ball if he bulked up a bit more. Uh, Asmon says, Tom, were you, disapp were you disappointed not to see more academy players on the substitutes bench, especially Salah? Yes, I was. Um, let's scroll up. Who are we missing? Uh, John says, we should try to find an ambi jacker, someone that will pick up a yellow and red card with either foot. <laughs> Oh, John, providing comedy always. Uh, Cam Furley says, I dread Cedric against Wolves. I hope Tommy is fit by them. Fingers crossed he is. Or fingers crossed Chambers is back from his illness. But that's unlikely um, at this stage, having only just tested positive. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Do leave your comments in the comments section below. Let me know what you thought of the game. And, of course, on the plenty of the comments that we've seen in today's show. I will be back. When will I be back? Will I be back this evening? I don't think so. I'll be back tomorrow morning uh, for you guys. So make sure you are tuning in at 8 o'clock. I'm pretty sure I'm on at 8 o'clock. Let me just double check for you. That's Thursday, 9 to 5. I will indeed be on tomorrow morning at 8 p.m. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered. Bye, fans.